Hello there. My name is Kenji Dick. And I'm Claudia Duick. And this is Wittenberg Radio. It is episode 116, and it is March 2nd, 2018. Claudia, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Kenji? I'm doing all right. Your reading week was uh, restful? Oh, it was lovely. I just spent a lot of time outside. I went skiing and skating, and I built a Quincy, and I hung out with friends, and I spent some time at Camps with Meaning with some adults with disabilities, and yeah, I slept. I didn't set an alarm a couple days, which is just the best. Mm. When mornings become your friend again, and you can just sit and drink coffee for two hours and, you know, read for pleasure. Oh, it's beautiful. It is. It's too short. A week is too short. I could use probably a good month of that, but, you know, that's not life, so reality check. Yeah. We're back. <laughs> things are things are keeping on going here this semester, so right back to it, I guess. And the next couple of weeks will be real tough. But I think that's the same story for everyone. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, <laughs> how was your reading bank? It was <laughs> it was very good, thank you. My reading week was uh pretty restful. It was nice. Um I actually got some reading done, which is probably the thing that people should have right. been doing. Um obviously I didn't get right. as much reading as I should have gotten done. Um, but the fact that I got some done anyways, I think, is a, is an achievement in itself. So overall, a very satisfying reading week, but I'm also very happy to be back. And with that, let's talk about upcoming events. Tonight, there is a music therapy coffee house happening. Um, there's a music faculty here, the music therapy, sorry, faculty. And they're holding a coffee house in the Mart Pet Commons at 7. Uh, that might be something worth checking out to see what the music therapy students are up to and, uh, yeah, what that's all about. So you should go check that out. There's also a public lecture coming up with the Honorable Senator Murray Sinclair. Um, he was influential in the TRC, the Calls to Action, and um, and he'll be talking about, about that. So that is quite the opportunity to go see him speak live and for real in the same room. I don't know. I'll definitely go to that one. I'm very excited. Um, so that's at 7, also at Marpec. So, upcoming on March 15th is going to be the awesome, the amazing Film 60. Film 60 is the annual uh, film competition here on campus where students are challenged to make a 60-second short for a competition for a variety of awesome awards. Uh, this is a great event. I just want to say personally, I participated in this for the past couple of years, and it is a lot of fun not only making the movies, but also to screen your movie in front of everybody else, have them react to it, and also watch some amazing other films as well. Uh, this event is a few weeks away, but the reason why we're telling this to you right now is that we want to give you the time to make one of these films. Uh, so if you have an idea, Idea, go ahead and get some friends together get a camera and just get recording it's a lot of fun believe me uh, and I think you'll totally enjoy it if you participate submissions are due on March 15th so you don't have to worry about any kind of submission day until the day of the event and you can send it to Esther Hardy or Tara Schmidt of the arts and entertainment department it's a load of fun I highly recommend it and we'll see you there <laughs> Lights, camera, controversy. That's right, it's that time of the year again. This Sunday, March the 4th, is the Oscars. And like any other year, the nominees of the 90th edition of the show has brought plenty of happy and disappointed reactions. However, for these viewers, as well as our special guest, regardless about how we feel about the show, we will end up tuning in anyways, only to become disappointed again. The Oscars in itself is entertaining. What can make it more entertaining is making a personal game out of it with your friends. And that is what we're doing today. Going around in a circle, we will look at five categories, which are Best Cinematographer, Best Actress, Best Actor, Best Original Screenplay, Best Director, and Best Picture. Discuss who we want to win personally out of those nominees before predicting who the Academy will actually pick. The person who has the highest amount of correct predictions will be our winner, and he or she should also decide what should happen to the losers. The winner will determine a pop culture punishment for the others to go through, which can range from watching the whole Transformers franchise in one go, to defending the Transformers franchise as a piece of high art on the show. The stakes are high, and we feel just as nervously excited as the Oscar nominees. So who is our special guest? Well, you may know him as the nicest and coolest resident director on campus, but did you also know he's one of the biggest cinephiles on campus? That's right, it's Charlie Peranto. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Oh, um, thank you, uh, thank you for having me, um, and uh, I appreciate the uh, the introduction. I am the only residence director on campus as well, so that means I'm both the nicest and the meanest on campus. That's true. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, but I mean, also, if there was competition, I'd still say you were probably the oh, nicest. Kenji, you know? you're too kind. Yeah. Claudia's giving me the side eye here. I don't <laughs> think she would say so, though. Well, um, you can also be, like, the most annoying, the best. The You could be all the things you're the only Most one. annoying probably is uh, very typical of how people talk about me. Man, oh, man. So, uh, how do you feel about the Oscar? Generally speaking, uh, how do you feel about the Oscar nominations this year? I think the uh, Oscar nominations uh, this year are excellent. I think this has been one of the best years of film in uh, probably uh, the last 10 to 15 years, uh, up there with 2007 as one of the Mm. uh, best years of actually incredible movies. And I think that this year uh, the Academy Awards has done a really good job of providing representation to a wide variety of um, nominations. Typically uh, the Oscars in... in, uh, in the past kind of 10, 15 years have uh, tried to incorporate uh, more uh, more movies that have a wider range of viewership to it. It got uh, it got in the mid 2000s, very um, Oscar Beatty type movies. Yeah. Um, so, you know, period, pe- period pieces, costume dramas, things like that, movies that no one had ever really seen. And then lots of movies that lots of people seen that were really well regarded were kind of left out of uh, the conversation. I think that this year has done a really good job of incorporating movies that lots of people have have seen and uh, less seen ones that are very well regarded critically. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest uh, snub that I see across the whole board of nominations is the Florida Project. Yeah, being, right. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I've heard plenty about that. Oh, uh, it's being snubbed. It is an excellent movie and, and I think um, could easily uh or should easily be nominated for best picture and uh best director because it is an incredible incredible movie um so besides that i think it is a great uh, a great nomination list this year great wonderful mm-hmm. claudia how do you feel about the nominations this year oh i feel just great I, everything i see there like i haven't seen um most of it but i <laughs> i feel so confident that um these pictures all deserve to to be at the oscars um yeah i can't really i can't really speak to the specifics but i but i feel very confident that some movies will be nominated <laughs> and some will win that's so, that is a very yeah. good prediction right there i totally agree with you on that one so as for myself i feel the nominees this year are also like wonderful one thing that i really do appreciate about this year's uh, round of nominees is that i feel it's a lot more unpredictable and comparison to previous years mm-hmm. last year for example there was a big competition say between moonlight and la la land there wasn't really any kind of like i can't even remember now what, what it would have been like kind of in the third besides those two uh that was just a big feud this mm-hmm. year but there really hasn't been anything like that there's been a lot of discussion around uh three billboards but then there's been a backlash to that film so who knows really uh so i just think there's a little more of the unpredictability factor uh, into it which can make it a little more fun mm-hmm. and also is going to make it literally interesting to see what the reactions are going to be online as always uh and for me anyways the show is always a lot uh just a lot of fun to watch i don't try my best to treat it too seriously because as i heavily implied in my opening it can be uh rather disappointing uh for some people if you invest a lot into it um just go into it knowing that even if your film uh was uh didn't win or wasn't even nominated keep in mind that just because the academy said that this film was great in this category does not necessarily mean that is your opinion if you really liked a movie uh that wasn't um that wasn't represented at the academy this year then that is your favorite movie, and that's what matters most. So uh, tr- come into it a bit, li- uh, come into it with a bit uh, lighthearted. Treat it like a lot of fun, and you'll come out of it with the best experience. And with that, let's jump right into the nominees. We're going to ta- start off with lead actor. So the nominees are Timothy Chalamet for Call Me by Your Name, Daniel Day Lewis for Phantom Thread, Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. And Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel-esque. So, Charlie, who do you think uh, should win personally? Uh, looking at uh, the categories, uh, personally, my my heart thinks uh, that I think Daniel Kaluuya should win for Get Out. Hmm. Uh, it was an incredible movie and an incredible performance, a very restrained but very emotive perform- performance from Daniel Kaluuya. And I hope that he wins and hope he's recognized for, for the work uh, that he did in Get Out. Unfortunately, I don't think that he's going to win. I, uh, I, I am putting uh, Daniel Day-Lewis as I think will be the, the winner here. I feel that is still a dark horse pick. I don't know a lot of people are – or, well, even – even the nominations for the Phantom Thread seem to um, be surprising to a, a lot of people, but yeah, right. uh, yeah. But he has said that this is he's retiring after this, so I could totally see them crowning uh, him again this year as kind of a 
career achievement award and i think this would tie him as the most wins uh ever as well with four i think he has three already uh and this would give him four and so i think that he would probably he's probably going to win this year uh, but i would like to see daniel kaluuya win okay wonderful mm-hmm. claudia what do you think Well, uh, this is where I kind of subject myself to probably, uh, you know, willfully accepting this punishment at the end because (laughs) I haven't seen any of the films um, (laughs) where these actors are nominated from. So I uh, was scrolling through the list of nominated Best Actors this morning and I saw Timothy Chalamet and Mm. I was like, hmm, he was in Lady Bird, right? And he's also just beautiful. And so... That's my nominee, oh, <laughs> and I hope that that's not too shallow. No, not at all. That's that's both your personal pick and your prediction. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. It, it's a good it's a good pick. He's all fantastic right. in the movie as you well. You know, I'll and, try my luck. And right? that hair. Can you <laughs> yeah. can you talk enough about it? <laughs> no. Um. So for I uh, so as for myself, I uh, I'm actually really on the same page with you, Charlie. I thought Daniel Kaluuya did a wonderful, subtle job in Get Out. Uh, he did a particularly great job just showing uh, kind of low key like uncomfortability during mm-hmm. that first half of the movie like uh, that's that certain approach of like he's not going to uh be outraged out of respect but just slowly becoming more and more uncomfortable with the situation and he just does that wonderfully with his facial expressions mm-hmm. especially so it's a beautiful subtle performance but just as beautifully subtle as also daniel day lewis in phantom thread uh yeah so obviously a lot of people are t- going into this talking about how this is his last performance even if it wasn't his last performance i, I thought it was still wonderful mm-hmm. uh especially in comparison to the last film he did with paul thomas anderson there will be blood this is like the complete opposite character he did in that movie yeah um he goes from like raging like just sociopath and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, raging psychopath from like um, there will be blood to a very calm and very timid but a very interesting individual in Phantom Thread. Uh, so he did a wonderful job in that movie. Really appreciated his performance. Um, but I would not be surprised if Gary Oldman wins for Darkest Hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Oldman, I think, has also a lot of. Um, has a lot of what do you call it momentum going into this he's been nominated a few times for this award but has never won uh before so he's going into that and out of all the press that i've heard about darkest hour and which i should also say ahead of time that i have not seen darkest Mm -hmm. hour yet but this is is just my speculation out of all the positive things are brought up from the movie uh gary olvin's performance is like the number one thing i normally see people love this guy uh love his performance um and so for that reason i think gary olvin will win for darkest hour Let's move on to the next category, which is for Best Cinematography. The nominees are Blade Runner 2049, Roger Deakins, Darkest Hour, Bruno Dalbona, Dunkirk, Hoyt Van Hoytema, Mudbound, Rachel Morrison, and The Shape of Water, Dan Lawson. So, Charlie, who do you think should win personally, and who do you think will win? Uh, personally, um, well, uh, Personally, I think that Blade Runner 2049 will win the award. This, um, I think, will come as uh, finally a win for Roger Deakins, who is one of our absolute uh, absolute best cinematographers. He's been nominated a bunch of times, never won, and uh, the cinematography in Blade, 40, uh, Blade Runner 2049 is truly incredible. Um, it, is, it is beautiful, um, and the way he's able to use uh, the different... Uh, the way he's able to use both lighting and the staging of of the movie to convey depth and size is uh, amazing. Um, so I think that Roger Deakins would win, uh, but I do actually think that the best cinematography of the year is um, in Mudbound uh, with mm-hmm. Rachel Morrison. Uh, Mudbound is. Um, is a fantastic uh, movie set in the American South after World War II, and she does an incredible job of making, uh, it's literally in the title, Mudbound, uh, making a muddy farmland interesting, uh, dynamic. Uh, her her use of, of light and color is uh, is astounding, and uh, I, I would love to see her win, but I do think it will be Roger Deakins for Blade Runner 2049, which will be a fantastic uh, achievement. Hmm. Claudia, what do you think? Yeah, I, uh, I also put down Rachel Morrison just because I had heard many people also say how incredible uh, the cinematography was in Mudbound. I haven't seen it myself, but um, yeah, I think I think that that would be very good if she won. Mm-hmm. And not simply just because she is female, but because she actually does a very good job like you know um <laughs> that shouldn't have to be said but i think it i think it does and and i wouldn't want people to think if she won that it was some, some form of tokenism or anything like that right. because yeah. she truly would deserve it uh and and i would love to see that happen mm. so yeah mm-hmm. 
uh, both my personal and uh, my actual prediction picks is also Blade Runner 2049 from Roger Deakins. Uh, I love Roger Deakins. I've been a huge fan of him for uh, ever since I really began looking into filmmaking. He's done some of the best cinematography uh, in the last 20 years or so. Uh, but what's incredible is that this man really is the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio of cinematography. He's been nominated 14 times and has yet to win. And what's really interesting looking on the back of his career is that all the times he was nominated is that it's not like he was just like irritatingly snubbed is that he just had plenty of competition like mm-hmm. nearly every year that he was nominated in and which is just like which is like well it's like well yeah man the other person totally deserved the win but you can't help but feel bad for roger and i'm looking at this year's nominees uh dunkirk by hoyt van hoytema was also really phenomenal and also i just wouldn't be actually wouldn't be surprised if that uh, that wins either but i i do think the academy will ultimately put the vote on roger it's long deserved his work in blade runner 2049 uh, out of his amazing career is some of his best uh truly a wonderful color palette wonderful framing uh so i think it's gonna be roger deakins fantastic let's move on to next category lead actress the nominees are sally hawkins the shape of water francis mcdormand three billboards outside ebbing missouri margot robbie I, Tanya, Shiroji Ronan, Lady Bird, and Meryl Streep, The Post. First of all, I just want to apologize. I cannot pronounce Shirsha 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 Ronan. Shirsha Ronan. Shirsha. I'm pretty sure. I'm not. Th- it, it's. Saoirse. I think it's Welsh. So yeah. right. Um, well, I think or yeah, yeah yeah or Irish. What was it? Or, no, Welsh it's or? not. It's um. What's it called? It's not Welsh. It's um. Oh my goodness, I'm blanking. <laughs> Whatever. Kay. Doesn't matter. Take that all out. <laughs> she does this great little bit on SNL for her for her monologue was how to say her name. She wrote a song and everything. Oh wow. It's okay. great. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's neither I, here nor there. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize dearly for not pronouncing that right. So Charlie, uh, who do you think will who do you want to win personally and who do you think will win? Uh, personally, I would love to see Sally Hawkins win for The Shape of Water. I think her uh, performance in The Shape of Water as a woman who uh, is voiceless is incredible. The, the work that she's able to do without speaking the entire time really conveys a deep sense of her understanding of her character. And she is uh, one of our great actresses who is unheralded. Uh, unheralded yet, she uh, has a great range. Uh, her last role that she was really um, noticed for was a movie called Happy Go Lucky, uh, where she mm-hmm. is dynamic and loud and bright and sunshiny uh, and this movie she she has all of that energy but it's much more restrained and she doesn't use her voice so I would love to see and I think that um, that she deserves to win uh, but I do think this is Frances McDormand's um, award uh, this year I, th- I think she will win for three billboards um, she has all the memento momentum coming into this um, and so I think the Academy will reward her for truly a, a fantastic uh, performance in three billboards regardless of what you think of of the movie or its message Francis McDormand is uh, a force to be reckoned with in the movie and drives the entire entire plot of that movie and um, and I think that she will win for uh, for best actress here even though I think Sally Hawkins uh, would uh, would deserve it or should uh, receive it as well hmm. Claudia uh, I nominated Margot Robbie because I saw Itania oh. and I loved it and I thought it was incredibly well done. Mm-hmm. Um, her performance was just, yeah, I, I was I was blown away and it was incredibly uh, thought provoking. I thought the film was and and I kept thinking about that scene before she goes out uh, and does her skate where she's like crying and it's there's no um, there's no sound mm-hmm. and it's just her like putting on makeup but then like not being able to restrain her her tears and the like emotional side of it and portraying a very strong and yet um well yeah strong woman but but also a victim of you know domestic abuse and and having the entire world kind of hate you um and and that loss of control i don't know i was i was just blown away by her performance um yeah and i will say francis mc like dorman that everyone's talking about three billboards as being the movie and and sure but in this category i see i see everyone that is nominated as as a real contender um because yeah i don't know sir also great performance so i picked margot but i don't know we'll see what happens uh, my personal pick, and also probably who I think is going to win, is Frances McDormand for Three Billboards. Uh, her performance, is, like already been said here already, was just wonderful. Uh, 
truly <laughs> truly her character is also like just fascinating and she really made it came to life on a woman who is clearly in deep pain and tries to express that pain only through uh, frustration and physical anger uh, but we really see that she's just terribly broken in the inside uh, through Frances McDormand's just a uh, powerful performance so she was just absolutely great in this um, but as you said Claudia this is a really stacked uh, this is a really mm-hmm. stacked category. The other nominees are also wonderful here. I really did like uh, Sarisha Ronan from Sally Hawkins, uh, but also Meryl Streep from The Post as well. Uh, Meryl Streep, you know, a bit of a meme, you know, gets nominated practically every year. But uh, after seeing The Post, I can, I can understand why she was nominated again this year. She did a wonderful job in The Post uh, playing, you know, as Claudia, I remember telling me once, as a powerful, as, you know, a powerful, strong woman, but not necessarily in physicality, but in her mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does a really good job uh, depicting that, especially in the few key scenes in the movie uh which are just wonderfully filmed as well uh so i really respected her performance a lot but francis mcdormand takes the cake for me both personally and who i think the academy will pick <laughs> so for the next category we're going to be looking at best original screenplay the nominees are the big sick emily v gordon and kumail nanjiani get out jordan peele ladybird greta gerwig the shape of water guillermo del toro and vanessa taylor and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, Martin McDonough. Charlie, who do you think should personally win, and who do you think will win? Uh, this is an incredible category. Any of these five uh, I could see winning. Uh, Shape of Water seems to have all the momentum coming into the Academy Awards. Uh, three billboards um, seems to be one that's been hanging in there, especially because the uh, the writer and director is a playwright uh, mm. first, so you could see him being rewarded for that. Um, Lady Bird uh, is, I think, a huge surprise for everyone. Uh, but then also the Get Out and uh, the Big Sick are two uh, nominations that I think that wouldn't have been represented in previous years. Um, my uh, who I would love to see win is Jordan Peele for for Get Out. I think the the work he's able to do in the layering of this uh, of of just the the script of it is uh, is incredible. Um, the the amount of, amount of things he's able to build into the the characters and and the story really is rewarding, especially on re watchability and seeing all the work that he that he's doing. Um, so I that that's what I'd love to see win. But I do think that three billboards will end up winning uh, will end up winning this this award. Um, I would love to see Jordan Jordan Peele win, and I think that he actually deserves it out of all all of this. Even though The Big Sick is an incredible uh, original screenplay as well by Emily and Kumail, uh, and I would love to see them reward, but I do think it will end up being three billboards. Wonderful. Claudia? This is another one for me that's a bit of a toss-up. Um, I've only seen Lady Bird. Uh, I know that there's a lot of momentum around three billboards, and I think from what I've, I've been meaning to see it, I really am disappointed that I haven't yet, but uh, that story, uh, I think, is just captivating, and, and to translate that into um, into a movie is, I, I really need to see it. I wrote down Lady Bird here because I thought it was very, um, I, I liked how slow it was. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I guess that's the one I had seen. So it's the only one I feel like I can actually nominate. But, uh, you know, whoever. <laughs> don't really care apparently (laughs) (laughs) this is what's really going on here (laughs) i'm gonna say ladybird (laughs) ladybird's uh uh, an excellent choice well greta gerwig um one of the one of the really interesting things i think about ladybird as uh, a screenplay is you can tell that greta gerwig really truly cares for all of her characters as you watch the movie there's no bad guys in it that's a good thing to say absolutely well in in most movies some of these characters the rich older friend who is brought into her life would um be turned into a caricature and she still shows her deep love and compassion Uh and care in this and she's never the butt of the joke um any people who are made a the butt of the joke in in ladybird or are there for comic relief think the football uh football Mm -hmm. coach is still given uh, a lot of care Mm -hmm. um and is still shown to be victorious and successful um even though he's played mostly for joke and is probably the least developed character and that i think is an incredible thing that we uh that, that we should see more of in movies and Greta Gerwig does an, uh, a fantastic job with is showing great care and compassion for all of her characters in the movie regardless what role they have. What a great observation. Absolutely. You can just pretend that I said that because you I told feel me like that that's my... Did I? You did. Oh, great. Well, <laughs> great. I said that and that's what I think. 
<laughs> riding off the Ladybird train, uh, right? Well, continuing to ride the Ladybird train, more like. Uh, I also totally agree. What a wonderful screenplay. Particularly, what I loved about it is just his intimate depiction of a uh, mother and daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that Greta Gerwig said in her roundtable interview is that apparently a lot of people came up to her saying that like I I just recognize a relationship like with my own mother or like with my siblings and my mother. And same here. <laughs> when I when I was watching uh, Lady Bird, I I just instantly had thoughts of my own relationship with my own parents as well as my sister's relationship with her mother uh, with with my mother um and just it it's just so it's just so accurate just the just the sudden turns from being intimate and kind and loving a uh, beautiful moment to just suddenly nastiness just that kind of like mm-hmm. sibling uh mother uh nastiness that can happen between two of them but still out of an intimacy of love between them uh particularly the opening scene is just a wonderful depiction of that it just goes from a beautiful touching uh bonding moment to a lady bird jumping out of the car and like that is just such a what an accurate depiction of those relationships um so just a massive props to Greta Gerwig for getting that right I think that's what has made this film so poignant with so many young people especially um so that that, but oddly enough, that isn't my personal pick. My personal uh, f- personal pick, and also who I think is going to win, is also going to be Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, by Martin McDonough. Uh, you know, this is a this is an odd film, uh, but I really love it a lot, and particularly its screenplay. Uh, its screenplay is terribly bleak, and from my depict, from my understanding of the movie, um, it has a lot to say about the current state of about how, how we understand law and the injustices of law, but also the dangers of trying to take law into our own hands. And it's interesting, I try my best not to make uh, the Oscars necessarily too political, but what's interesting about this film, viewing it from more of a political lens, is that it's, it, especially, it's, it, it's relevant that it comes out now because there's a lot of interesting news, a lot of relevant and you know terrible news coming out about injustices that happen all the time. And our, our, our number one reaction is that we want justice to happen immediately. And this film is very blatantly, I think, telling us that uh, the law, even with the right people, even with the people with the best intentions, can, is only so limited. And there's there's certain limitations that we're going to have to accept, as bitter as they are. Um, this film can solely still be seen as hopeful, but I just thought that theme was particularly powerful throughout the whole movie. It made me think a lot about the themes afterwards, um, and I thought Martin McDonald just did a wonderful job with the screenplay. So that is both my personal pick and my uh, pick for what, what will actually win. Moving on to the next category, it is a big one. Well, all these are big ones, but this is a particularly big one. It is for Best Director. The nominees are Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan, Get Out, Jordan Peele, Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig, Phantom Thread, Paul Thomas Anderson, and The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro. Charlie, who do you think should personally win, and who do you think will win? Uh, personally, I think that uh, Christopher Nolan should win for Dunkirk. I think Dunkirk is one of the best displays of a movie pushing the limits of narrative storytelling. Um, if you've seen the movie, you know that it's happening at three different timelines, all compressed into one. Things that happen over a week, things that happen over a day, uh, and things that happen over an hour. And and seeing all of those play together at the exact same time uh, is an incredible achievement in directing um, and I think that if you had, had asked me if it will win maybe even three months ago I think I would have said like for sure it's going to win mm. it's it's one of the few movies that have been seen by almost everyone I think it's the only movie in the top 10 of the year that is an original movie and it was in the top it was uh, in top 10 uh, grossing movies of of the year uh, and so uh, I think that Christopher Nolan did a phenomenal phenomenal job really pushing out yeah, pushing the limits of narrative storytelling, especially because most of the characters, you don't know their name. There's not a lot of character building that is done through uh, done through dialogue. It is through action. Um, it, is, it is through escape. It is through trauma. And just seeing the movie... The movie is not a movie. It's a vice grip. It is slowly compresses you into this stressful period for the entire uh, 90 minute running time. And so I think Chris Nolan should win for it. Uh, but I really think it's going to end up being Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Mm. Uh, the Shape of Water seems to be the only uh, or a movie that is uniting lots of different people. It is a very unique uh, movie in that it is 
fantasy um, and it is a fairy tale and uh, I think it has a lot of momentum and I see I could really see people rewarding Guillermo del Toro for uh, a really unique vision um, out of all of these movies it is the most fantastical of them the rest are all grounded in some sort of reality whether that's the racial injustice of, of get out or the you know coming of age uh, in the early 2000s experience of ladybird um, Guillermo del Toro's the shape of water is a little more fantastical um, in its elements uh, and but I do think that it, it will be it will win uh, for best uh, best director this year yeah that's exactly my nomination Guillermo del Toro uh, for for shape of water I was gonna say the the fantasy part of it it's so uh, so different from anything that we can I think imagine actually happening and and that's just I love when films can take you away into a place like that uh, and and bring you along on that sort of ride and the emotional um, transformation there so so that's my my pick for director this is a very stacked category all the people here are did a wonderful job with their movies um so my initial inkling was going to be uh probably yeah i I really like dunkirk quite a bit and so that's probably my personal pick and probably also shape of water for my actual pick but you know what uh why don't we make it a little bit more unpredictable this time my personal pick is probably going to be get out uh Mm. by jordan peele phenomenal job like when i when i saw get out i did not see the original theater run so i just heard a lot about it leading up to my viewing of it a few months ago um but i was like phenomenally surprised by the direction of the movie it's really well crafted a horror film especially i expected a little more of a comedy but i was surprised but uh that peel just has a wonderful uh wonderful control of of audience and fear uh, and he doesn't entire. He does use a few jump scares every once in a while, but he just manages to create a lot of the fear just out of the environment alone and through those long silent moments. Uh, so just phenomenal direction. Uh, really surprised me when I saw it. I just wasn't expecting that, and I don't think many people were really expecting the huge critical surprise that was Get Out, uh, considering what Jordan Peele had done before. Um, so, but my actual pick, uh, I'm gonna go with Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread. Ooh. Just to make it a little a little spicy over here, you know? <laughs> um, I don't know what are the likeliness of, of it happening, but he also did just a fantastic job. Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, he's critically acclaimed as one of the best directors of the last couple of decades, and for good reason. He did a wonderful job with Phantom Thread. Uh, he did it. He did so also being the cinematographer of the film as well, which is pretty impressive uh, feat. Um, but just the film is extreme. Is say slow per se, but as a result, extremely intimate and also extremely intense when it needs to. Uh, and he does it out of just such beautiful subtlety with his editing and with his uh, cinematography. So Paul Thomas Anderson, that's going to be my actual pick. Uh, yeah, just to see what happens. Um, spicy, spicy. So yeah. <laughs> I didn't know there were actual and not actual picks. <laughs> <laughs> Now, finally, for the big one, it's Best Picture. The nominees are Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Charlie, who do you think should win personally, and who do you think will win? I think this is a incredible uh, cast or incredible um, nomination uh, slate. I think lots of these movies uh, could could win. Um, the only ones I don't really see having a. I think lots of these movies have a good shot at winning, but uh, there's a few that I think have no chance. I don't think The Post uh, will win. I think that's just a. This is Steven Spielberg, <laughs> yeah. um, a movie that every that you go and you watch and you say this is a great movie, and then you probably forget about it. Um, and same with Darkest Hour, that it's like, oh, this is a movie that should fit the mold of an Oscar Best Picture nominated right. uh, movie right. um, and so I think the rest of these are, are movies that uh, deserve uh, deserve to be within the conversation of the best movies of the year um, none of these movies are my actual best movie of of the of last year as well that was a movie called The Lost City of Z um, followed by Personal Shopper which I think were the two best movies that came out last year um, but that's that's okay uh, so the movie that I think um, out of this list that I think deserves to win for best best picture I think is Dunkirk spoke a lot about the direction earlier that it's that it is so successful being so different narratively and uh, I think um, really speaks to uh, the incredible job um, that that Christopher Nolan did and the whole uh, and I think it deserves uh, best picture uh, but I'm gonna pick uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the shape of water again with Guillermo del Toro that I think that that's what will actually win um, I won't be surprised if three billboards uh, 
ends ends up winning because that seems to have a lot of momentum. But I think that uh, we'll get a best director and best picture for Shape Shape of Water. Hmm. Um, I would like to respond to your statement about the post. I saw the post and I thought it was wonderful, and it I did not forget about it. Um, there, I would just like to say that I think the timing of this movie was incredibly pertinent, um, and how they maybe like co-opted the glorification of the media and print media which I love because I'm an old soul but that as well as the the female lead that is like Kenji was saying mentally quite strong but but doesn't shy away from the for like she she appears very weak at points and it's this subtle uh like foundational strength that isn't as overbearing as sometimes I think uh we are taught that we have to be and I think that that was just um you know considering what's all going on in the world with with me too and with um you know the media and donald trump and the political global climate i thought it was it spoke to many of those things and i wonder uh, i had someone say to me that that originally it wasn't supposed to be as as um or i forget which one it was now either way it was supposed to be more only about like the media or only about um, the strong female that like took over the paper and made it her own, but they kind of blended those two together more to make it a more well-rounded um, commentary on that, and I just appreciated it. So I don't know. I don't think it's one that I just forgot about, and I, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. That's uh, but also not my pick. That was just a little <laughs> anecdote um, yeah. <laughs> because I like yeah, it probably won't win. Um, I had a friend go see Call Me By Your Name and just rave about it. Um, and they, I've heard that there's a lot of mem- momentum around that as well. Um, I've been meaning to see it, uh, but that's my pick just because I thought it should be mentioned. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Okay. <laughs> Call Me By Your Name is is fantastic. Yeah. Um, it is uh, a wonderful, wonderful movie. Um, yeah, and the, and the post is is yeah. is great. Um, but it's, it's, it's Steven Spielberg, and it feels like right. um, it – the the thing that's great about Steven Spielberg is he could make anything dramatic. Yeah. He can make mm-hmm. setting up chairs seem dramatic <laughs> and interesting, and I would watch it for two hours because he is an incredible. And uh, and and you're you're totally right that the the emphasis on Meryl Streep's uh, character in the post uh, is the only real character development that we're yeah. given, and we get to see someone who is unsure of of themselves in a. Um, in, a, in an area she has not been prepared for yeah. or ever thought she would be in, begin to develop and show her resilience. Yeah. Um, and so she, uh, I think Meryl Streep really does, is the only character in there who's given a lot of range to try something mm-hmm. different and to not just be a out of the box, full, strong character, right. but to develop that over the course of the picture. And I think the movie does a really great mm-hmm. job uh, of that. But to me, it just felt like it was just execution, um, mm-hmm. like not really elevation of any of any anything um where where other movies on here even like ladybird or or get out really feel like taking a taking a a concept and and bringing uh and really elevating the concept not just executing uh not just executing it especially with something like ladybird which feels like a movie we've all seen a hundred times we've all seen coming of age tales before but uh what makes it special and unique is that we see it with a brand new twist someone taking the story of a mother and daughter relationship and and adding different layers um adding the tracy letts character as her father who deals with uh, Mm -hmm. depression um and the whole like and her whole love of sacramento her relationship with a friend and layering it upon each other to give a much richer experience of ones that we we won't forget which mm-hmm. for the post for me just felt like it was something that was um that was just like executed incredibly incredibly well and very highly by an absolute professional but um i yeah yeah no, fair yeah, yeah, fair yeah. no I, I just want to say i totally agree with you on that one i thought the post on a technical level is like truly phenomenal uh i like I went into it just not really expecting very much because I knew that like okay mm-hmm. definitely not going to win just spoilers but uh yeah. you know but with that going going with that in mind I was still totally surprised by just the wonderful uh, blocking and uh just blocking and camera movement Spielberg yeah. is just such a master of like making every shot truly engaging in his movies and it's like just going from it especially from like a technical filmmaking perspective wonderful but yeah maybe thematically doesn't quite hold up with the uh, with the other big uh, fighters this year so mm-hmm. yeah. and and actually looking at the the cat uh, looking at the the nominations I actually think um, if I would rank these movies I'd put the shape of water near the bottom it was a movie that I, I really enjoyed but I 
even though it is fantastical, I didn't find it as believable. I found it about 75% believable. I don't know if you've seen it. It's about a woman falling in love with a fish man. Um, well, I was just going to say, like, I don't think fish man exists. So it, maybe that's yeah, why. And, and, and there's a lot <laughs> of movies. We uh, well, there's a lot of movies on, on this list that are message movies yeah. that, that right. they, they are that they mean something. And the post is one of those. It is about mm-hmm. how important that of, you know, the is how important a free press is. Yeah. Um, and it's it it wears its message on its sleeve. And usually I don't like movies movies like that that are so like blatantly like we're going to make a movie about the freedom of press a freedom of press when the freedom of press is being so challenged as in our current political climate uh, and the same with the shape of water which is a movie about someone falling in love with a fish man uh, but it's not a movie about falling in love with a fish man it's a message movie it's about how we approach things that are that are different than us and you know uh, and thing and things like that and it's um but i just didn't buy the romance part of it uh i buy the friendship mm-hmm. i buy the mm-hmm. by the see, yeah. uh, relationship they develop but i don't buy the romance uh part of mm-hmm. the shape of water so when i look at these movies it would rank much lower um than down even though i think it will win best picture um uh but yeah as if i would rank them it wouldn't be in my top five of these movies yes yeah. what would be your top five can we know oh abs- absolutely uh top five um would be dunkirk get out Lady Bird. Um, Call Me By Your Name and Phantom Thread would probably be my top five of these of these ones. Yeah, and just and I, we are going on a long tangent now. Yeah. I do acknowledge <laughs> that, but just going on the whole conversation about like what do we value more in these awards? Uh, like, yeah, there, there are certain messages, and that's why I say the award shows as of late. Well, not as of late. I think just forever have been like really politicized. Right, a lot of people go into it like talking a lot about the political aspect of it, especially. Um, but I, I, I definitely agree with you that I, I tend to prioritize a little more of the story aspect of it, the mm-hmm. characters, the story, the technical execution of it a little more. Um, but yeah, it's so like, yeah, I, I can totally see your point about The Shape of Water. Uh, the romance, I thought I thought it worked ultimately altogether, but I could see how it might be a little, you know, might be a little loose in some areas if, for those who may have seen it. Um, but yeah, I tend, I tend to value a lot more of the story aspect of it as well. Um, and you can actually read more about that in an article in the Doxa that is out now as of this episode. So uh, that's and that's a whole other topic that we may be able to talk about some other day. Mm-hmm. But for now, I'm going to talk about what I think what I think should personally win for best direct picture and who will win for best picture. Uh, yeah, all these films are just phenomenal best pictures. I, I really liked all of them. Yeah, the post maybe is like technically the weakest to me out of all these, but still really good. Um, so there's just not like any clear. Uh, loser out of this for me um yeah i think so i think personally who should win is three billboards outside ebbing missouri i've already seen a lot of praises for this movie uh yeah just a phenomenal film uh it's just everything around it was just really well done especially the acting and written part of it um especially and even the director aspect of it even though martin mcdonald wasn't nominated for best director uh yeah it just like it has a poignant message but also just so wonderfully executed with just these wonderful uh vibrant uh really terrifying characters uh that have surprising uh just have a surprising turn of events throughout the whole movie you you kind of certainly expect a certain way uh, a film to go in a certain direction but then it ends in a very different direction that may leave you initially confused but then the more you think about it uh you end up realizing there's something really meaningful there and i won't spoil it for those who haven't uh, seen it so that's like my personal pick three bullets outside ebbing missouri but this film has gotten some backlash as of late uh there's been a decent amount of articles about uh certain characters and uh yeah, just some backlash about whether or not this film should be uh, winning these awards, or let alone being nominated for them. And I wouldn't be surprised that will turn some Academy voters away from it. So I think the film that will actually win is Lady Bird. And my reasoning for that is because out of all the films nominated here, it is the one that's been praised the most and has gotten the least amount of backlash <laughs> for it, or least amount of like weights that would put it against it. Um, the, the Academy Awards has a history of tending, because they have a ranked ballot uh, voting system, um, there that has a history of having films that people will put on their second or third, uh, second or third best film uh, in the, on their on their voting ballot, and then as the fil- as the votes tally in, that one ends up actually getting the most amount of votes. So, um, Spotlight, I believe, a couple years ago won because of this, uh, and also The King's Speech won a few years ago also mm-hmm. for this. Not saying not undermining those films; those films are wonderful, right? But uh, those are a bit of surprise. Those were a bit of surprise to those who thought there are other bigger players that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because Lady Bird has the least amount of controversy around it, it, ha- it is universally adored by practically every critic. It's got 99% of Rotten Tomatoes for a very long time. Uh, 
I would not be surprised it will win to a very similar system because there's a lot of heavy players here, a lot of passionate, uh, passionate films here that are really controversial, and as a result, Lady Bird might sneak in and take it. That does not say it's undeserving of it. It is a wonderful film, as we've already said here on this show. Uh, beautiful, intimate, and just wonderfully relatable, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if it won, wins because of that. So my personal pick, Lee Billboards, who I think will actually win, Lady Bird. And there you go. There are our Oscar picks for the 90th edition of the Academy Awards. Uh, this is just one last bonus question for us all. Uh, there are snubs uh, inevitably every year. We've already kind of talked a little bit about this, but uh, and I know you've already talked a lot about this, mm-hmm. Charlie, but uh, is there particularly... I just want to go around and just pick one snub that we feel from any of the categories, even the ones that we haven't mentioned here, uh, one that you feel very passionate about. And yeah. Is there any snub at all? The biggest snub that I can see here, um, and for me personally, is in the lead actor category. Uh, Robert Pattinson from Good Time, I think, was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he's an actor that I think a lot of people have written off. The same with Kristen Stewart, since their you know uh, infamous run on on Twilight. Um, but both have become some of our absolutely finest actors and actresses. Um, and so I really think Robert Pattinson deserved to be in that fifth slot. I think Denzel Washington got in because he's Denzel Washington and he's great in everything that he does uh, but I do really think that Robert Pattinson deserved uh, a nomination for best actor here because he is truly fantastic in good time uh, so if you have a chance you should take a, take a look at that movie it just actually came out on Canadian Netflix um, he is fantastic uh, in it that's that's one of the biggest uh, snubs but I think Florida Project also could be up there The Lost City of Z uh, I think deserved uh, some recognition and same with Personal Shopper and Kristen Stewart are different snubs for me Claudia yourself um hmm. <laughs> this is a nice bonus question that is sprung on me uh i'll just say i tanya because i saw it and i mm-hmm. loved it and i think it it's great that like margot robbie's in there and i think there's a couple other nominations from it but yeah, best supporting but, actress right okay mm-hmm. allison janney got best supporting actress okay. nomination as well right yeah mm-hmm. i heard something like that um yeah that could be i don't know i feel like the movie as a as a whole could have could get some more recognition here. I think it's it's very uh yeah, like many people can remember like Tanya Harding and seeing that live and like this is I don't know, it's a cultural it's it's more than just like a movie. It's um something that that, that people remember and have like answers to now or more of a storyline uh behind it and yeah, I think they just did a really good job and and I was surprised when I saw that it wasn't uh nominated. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Kenji? Any snubs? Well, the best animated feature uh, is always uh, a controversial yes. category, um, and I'm yet again enraged. I, I opened this whole segment with let's not get too uh, personally attached to the show, but this is one that just, like, I'm seriously thinking to myself, like, come on, this whole category seriously needs a revamp, and who can vote for this and uh, who can't? Uh, the nominees are absurd this year. <laughs> Just the, okay, you weren't so, on the Boss Baby train? Yeah, You're I'm not, not on, on the Boss Baby train. No? So th- this year, you know, it was Coco, uh, which is just, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to be a little blunt here. It's undoubtedly going to win. Oh, like, of I course. Mean, for yeah. crying out loud, it may as well just be renamed the Disney Pixar Award at, for this, <laughs> at this point. But th- just, so I, I think everyone was expecting that. But then just to have the Boss Baby get nominated over the Lego Batman movie this year was just surprising to me. You'd think, like, there was already, so a couple years ago, uh, the Lego movie got snubbed in 2014, even though that was, like, probably the most critically acclaimed animated film of that year. And I just thought the backlash from that would have told the Academy to, oh, you know, next time a Lego movie comes out that is also, again, critically acclaimed, you'd pay attention this time. But yet again, the Lego Batman movie, which, by the way, is a genuinely great, funny film, uh, was snubbed again. Um, And I'm just, like, Surprised. I just thought to myself, like, this is this is a wonderful movie. Why did this happen again? And I'm not even speaking about this from the anime perspective. Uh, there are just loads of people who say there's a lot of great animated films. Not even from the anime perspective, just the international perspective. A lot of people just from around the world are saying there's a lot of great other animated films. This just seems to be exclusively for American films, but more specifically just for Disney films. Um, so I don't know. That's it's it's an old argument, but like for like I just looked at this year's nominees and I'm just like like come on, this is even sloppier than like previous uh, nominees. And the reason why I also say that the voting base just needs to be revamped for this is that there's just been numerous cases of a lot of these voting members not actually watching the movies, uh, and but and just picking random ones that apparently their kids like, and just it's like, <laughs> please, why are you even <laughs> bothering to vote if you haven't 
considered this uh, more seriously. <laughs> so just like it's like seems kind of pointed. Yeah. Just like I just I just do not like the image of who should I nominate for best anime picture? Uh, Timmy, what do you think? I really like the Boss Baby. It's like oh, okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> just like oh, come on, come on. And like it just undermines. I just this whole thing just undermines also uh, animation in general to me. It's like animation is just a wonderful form of filmmaking that should get a little more recognition. It barely gets acknowledged at the Academy because it's barely nominated for Best Picture in itself, right? Yeah, very so, few like, animated movies yeah. are are nominated exactly. for, for Best Picture. So you'd think that the category for it should be treated more seriously, but this year it's just like a slap to the face to me and to a lot of other people. It's like you're not treating it seriously by nominating these kind like a 50% rated film in Rotten Tomatoes. Come on. Come on. You're very passionate about I'm, this. I am. Uh, it's just like, Andy. it just pisses me off. It's oh. like, this is just like, I, 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 this is a tired argument, but like, for, for, yeah, just for crying out loud. I'm, that, that's my snub this year. Lego Batman movie. Should have been nominated. Should win. <laughs> just like, I don't know. Coco was pretty great. I know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Not to undermine Coco. Coco was yeah. great. Thank you very much, Charlie, for coming to the studio. This was absolutely yes, fun. Thank you. Um, so good luck to everyone here with yeah. your predictions on who will win. The Academy Awards is this Sunday, March the 4th. Tune in to whatever channel or illegal stream to see it. Uh, and we will tune in next week to see who the losers are and what the punishment <laughs> will be. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So we have a brand new post on the Wittenberg door that continues a saga around the conversation about the lack of voices here on campus. It is from Katie Unruh, who was actually on the show just a couple weeks ago, and the post was made on February 25th, 2018. Hey, James and Anonymous, thanks for your comments. They've gotten me thinking over the last little while. James, I'd like to address your comments about CMU being authentically Mennonite. While I agree with you that, yes, CMU does maintain a balance between being inclusive and true to their identity as a university, I'm not sure that it represents Mennonites as well as it claims or people may think. I'm a member of the Mennonite Brethren Conference, which, in my experience, fits into your conservative or evangelical categories better than some other branches of the Mennonite community. Before I got to CMU, I wasn't aware there was a difference between Mennonite conferences. I came expecting to find people of the same background as me who worshipped like I do. When I arrived at CMU, I underwent a sort of culture shock. My worship tradition and more contemporary style that is practiced at CMU, rarely including corporate or read prayer, wasn't represented in chapel. It got to the point that I felt so uncomfortable and disconnected, I stopped attending. In discussion, I felt looked down on for not being as progressive or socially active as some of the Mennonite Church Canada students. I also often felt that my perspective and background were glossed over, considered silly or unimportant, especially when talking about my personal relationship with God. When other people would point out their parents in the photos from CNBC, I felt I couldn't be as proud of my parents who attended MBBC. In short, I felt I wasn't a real Mennonite, not CMU's kind of Mennonite anyways. I know that's a lot of factors influence my experiences here, and I'd like to be clear that I'm not placing blame on the differences between MB, MC Canada, and other Mennonite conferences. I think our differences are a beautiful resource for us to learn about one another and to deepen our faith. I also recognize that my only experiences with MC Canada comes from the people I've encountered at CMU, so I don't have the full picture. I also know that I can't put words into others' mouths. However, I know I'm not the only MB student who feel, who's felt like a misfit at CMU. So what does that say about CMU's representation of Mennonites that one group consistently feels left out or looked down on? How could we, as Mennonites at this institution, work to better re recognize and appreciate each other's differences? If we began to do this, could it perhaps help us to blur the lines between Mennonites or Mennonites and liturgical traditions and another? Thanks for letting me share my thoughts. I'd love to hear what other people have to say about this. Claudia, what do you think about this post? Thank you, Katie, for writing your response. It can take a lot of bravery, I think, to articulate these feelings and put them on a wall um, for everyone to see and to think what they will about that. So thank you. Um, first of all, I'd like to say that I'm saddened that I think um, you feel or that you feel like a misfit or that others may have felt like misfits here and looked down upon. I know that that is not the intention of the institution at all. Um, and I don't know, I just mentioned that Cheryl Pauls went to MBBC and she's the president of the university. So I think that those definitely from the institutional point of view are equal um, and they came together to make CMU and I think that that is great. Um, whether that's represented in individuals that go here, I don't know, but that's something I guess that isn't 
the institution's fault necessarily. Um, I don't know enough, I think, to comment on this, but I was just thinking that there's a class, which people should probably be in, I'm also not in it, called uh, Mennonite Identity, that I think could speak to this quite well. Um, this conversation, I think, has been going on for quite some time, or I know it has, so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of material on this, so we might have Peter Epp on the show or something uh, in the coming weeks to discuss this. Um, but most of all, thank you, and I know that I have definitely benefited from uh, MB students and other evangelical faith-based groups' um, points of views, and I really do believe that, as you say, um, these are resources to learn from one another and deepen our, our faiths. So thank you for your response, and we'll maybe do some digging for you, and I'd love to talk to you personally, Katie, as well as anyone else who, who has something to say regarding this topic. If you would like to leave a comment about this post or about our response or to any of the other responses on the door, you can leave a comment on our Facebook page, on our website, or our YouTube video. Or if you want to do it in the classic Protestant way, you can leave a comment right on the Wittenberg door with the other posts. Thank you very much, Katie, for leaving your insightful comment. So for my music pick of the week, I'm going to be picking A Little of Your Love by Haim. Haim is a wonderful three-person uh, band uh, by sisters, actually, um, and they do this wonderful kind of like ha uh, rock kind of hip-hop, rock kind of pop sound that <laughs> works really well. Um, I'm not going to say very much else more about it. This is just a wonderful little song that uh, just sounds lovely. So let's go listen to Little of Your Love.
that brings an end to our episode. Thank you once again for listening to Wittenberg Radio. And remember to check out those events we mentioned before, the Music Therapy Coffee House on this evening and the Honorable Senator Marie Sinclair Lecture, uh, the public lecture on, on Monday. Go to those. And remember that if you have any creative inkling for the camera, do remember to submit a film for Film 60 that's happening on March 15th. Or if you just want to see some awesome student films here on campus, all under 60 seconds, come to March 15th. My name is Kenji Dick. And I'm Claudia Duick. And we'll see you next week. Wittenberg Radio is a production of CMU Student Council. The views and opinions expressed by hosts and guests are not necessarily those of CMU Student Council. Thank you.